You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some Blunt Business with your host, Thanks for joining me. Blunt Business is on the air once again. My next guest runs a leading staffing and talent strategy firm serving the regulated cannabis industry. Uh, Thus far, they have filled over 300 positions in 10 states since its inception in 2017. I'm here with David Belsky, CEO of Flower Hire here on Blunt Business. David, thanks for being with me. Uh, it's, It's great to be invited back. Thank you. And we say invited back because we actually had you as a guest on our grassroots marketing series last year. To bring listeners up to speed, you built your career in executive search over the course of 16 years. And during that time, you spent 13 years with the same company focusing on tech. And since our chat last June, you've now launched the Flower Hire X application form, platform, excuse me. You told Benzinga that you created Flower Hire X to help job seekers understand what type of job in cannabis is relevant for them and help companies hire the right type of folks in the right type of job to unlock the potential of their workforce and reduce, reduce turnover. So talk to me about this new platform and the solutions you hope this will provide. Uh, absolutely. We, over the course of the last four years of navigating the cannabis industry uh, at Flower Hire, have been focusing on, we'll call it six-figure cannabis jobs. You know, executive roles, operational leaders across retail operations, cultivation, and sort of back office. And the most consistent area of demand that we've come across, both from our clients as well as the leaders we've helped guide into the industry, has been do you guys help with, you know, hourly workers or frontline workers, right? We're having a, a tough time building out our, our retail team or our cultivation and, and getting the right folks to work. Here. And um, and it hasn't been something that we've touched traditionally. Flower Hire has been sort of a, a more of a more of a white glove uh, service. But that being said, I always thought that uh, technology would be uh, the way to try to solve that problem effectively. Um, and ultimately, you know, there's no employer branding in the cannabis industry, and 
for a consumable product in today's day and age, you know, your employer brand is your product brand. Um, there's not really a ton of information out there about what it's like to work in this industry and what certain types of jobs are. And this is an industry that needs to hire hundreds of thousands of people that have never worked in the legal cannabis industry. So um, I was very fortunate uh, to be introduced to some world-class sort of technology uh, entrepreneurs and engineering minds that have built HR tech solutions for other industries. And um, through that connection, um, a company Engine Sciences was formed um, that has built a for cannabis uh, virtual talent management software called Flower Hire X um, that serves to help companies hire hourly workers. And for a company who's hiring for a cultivation associate, a trimmer, a extraction technician, a bud tender, a dispensary associate, it, the, what the product is, it's like a lightweight um, applicant tracking system built for cannabis that allows uh, a company to quickly post a job and has a proprietary method in which it pushes that job out to various um, you know, job boards and whatever else. And it routes candidates through an application process that's gamified um, that actually ranks candidates on certain job experience, hard skills and, and soft skills that um, we've seen be required or, or be a plus for certain types of roles in the industry. Um, and for the candidate, what it is, it's a self-discovery sort of journey where they apply to a job and they maybe they apply to a bud tender position because that's all they know in terms of jobs and cannabis. But they go through this questionnaire and all of a sudden they say, have you ever thought about being um, an, an edibles, uh, you know, kitchen associate or an extraction technician or a packaging associate? based on how you answered some questions, you should consider these roles. And by the way, the company that you applied to for a dispensary associate also has a packaging associate role that maybe you should explore, right? So um, Flower Hire X quite simply helps companies in cannabis manage their uh, frontline job listings and get candidates that are applying to positions routed to the most appropriate roles. Now, I want to preface a Leafly jobs report from 2020, an industry report showing the job growth in the cannabis industry is rising by roughly 15% through the year to about 240,700 jobs in the U.S. alone, an increase of 40% from 2019. And actually, a new report looking for 2021 talking about now that they found 321,000 full-time equivalent jobs supported by legal cannabis as of January 2021. One of the things they also mentioned in this was that more than 77,000 jobs were added in 2020, but blanket without giving the details, they talked about diversity issues. Uh, when you look at this, you know, we actually talked to somebody on the program about social equity, uh, the opportunities for people to find jobs and for actually having some, uh, an actually an equal opportunity hiring scenario. Uh, talk to me about, you know, if this platform kind of offers a solution to that and if that's what kind of a, influence does that have on what you're trying to do in terms of uh, research and staffing? Uh, I, you know, it's, it's definitely an important topic to talk about. One of the things that I've been really encouraged about from the platform itself is we don't require people to um, say what their, uh, you know, race or gender is, but it's an optional question 
And from the data that we have so far, um, it seems like half of all applicants are, are people of color um, for the roles that are being posted. Um, so I, I'm seeing, um, at least from our vantage point, that um, there is a, a lot of interest from all different you know, groups within, um, you know, various communities that are, uh, that are actively seeking jobs in cannabis. And that is a good thing. Um, I think that, you know, taking a step back for a second, um, it's a very complex question, especially in 2021, when, um, you know, racial justice is, is rightfully so at the top of everyone's mind. And there's no, bigger example of systemic racism in the United States of America than the war on drugs over the past the last decades and what it's done specifically to, to black and brown communities. Um, I think having a diverse cannabis industry is the only way that this industry um, becomes viable and sustainable, right? It has to include be inclusive of folks that have worked in traditional markets that have been already working in cannabis um, and doing it themselves for decades, right? And figuring out how to do that from a regulatory standpoint, uh, putting pressure on the early movers that are public companies that are generating profits already in this industry to be part of that solution. Um, it's a conversation that needs to continue to happen and be um, at the forefront of getting this industry correctly. And I'm actually um, optimistic, uh, you know, considering what some of the recent legislation in New York State is and how progressive that is. And, right? you know, it, I like the way you put that together because the fact of the staff, uh, the people that have been approaching for work has been a good, a good equal medium because it's an organic of, of, we're getting an organic outreach that's wanting to go in, come into the industry uh, of people of color or BIPOC as uh, is the, the phrase uh, to use today. I like the fact that it's just an organic approach and it doesn't have to be where, and this is where I'm coming into my own opinion right now, because in the same jobs report, they wanted to go and talk about, you know, the, because of the fact of the cannabis industry and the history of raising up those that might have been disenfranchised or oppressed for leafly they wanted to do something where they talked about black ownership of the cannabis industry which you know to go ahead and just point out to one particular uh culture or one particular race i don't think it's necessary i, I want to just have all uh, keep a multicultural conversation across the board when it comes to this so i get where they're coming from trying to point that out but for me it's a matter of you know it's an equal opportunity across the board and with what you're doing it sounds like that's what you have there uh, now also the other thing too is that i mean do you feel there's any difference in the dynamic between those that are looking for employment or those who are looking to be business owners because that's the other thing they try to put in the case right. is that the regulatory is focusing on the business owners not the wage earners well the the uh there are some examples of, of, I think like Illinois as an example, does require operators to have a certain percentage of their workforce from communities that have been you know, labeled as disenfranchised communities, right? Um, so there is some work that's being done from a regulatory standpoint there. I think the biggest challenge from the owner class, if you will, 
um, is there is an incredible amount of capital that's required to operationalize a cannabis business. And access to capital for certain communities is much more challenging. And there has been, over the course of the last several years, a disproportionate amount of uh, white founders who have raised money from white investors, um, you know, versus if you look at the demographics of who uses the plant, right? So um, how do you solve for this? I like what New York State is doing in terms of taxing the original sort of medical license hold holders mm -hmm. and using that revenue to provide grant programs and lending for um, you know, social equity inspired licenses. Because from my vantage point in, in, in seeing what California has done, what other states have done as it relates to social equity programs, most of them fall short in acknowledging that getting a license is only part of it. It's actually having the capital to operationalize that asset and retain control of the business, right? Um, so uh, I think that there's not a solution that has worked, but we owe it to ourselves to continue to experiment. And again, the work that New York State has done in terms of how progressive that legislation seems to be is, is worth mentioning and pointing out and applauding. And it's the, the process, when it comes to, for the employers to not need to discriminate, because you, and it's not because of anything of a profile or not. It should never be. It should just be on the base of the merits of who that person is and what they can do. Plus, I would also go ahead and add on the top of the fact of discrimination. There should be no discrimination based on the education of said person, whether they have a college degree or not, or what kind of uh, certifications they might have. Because for myself, working for the company I've had for the last, it's coming up on 16 years, you know, when I got to a point of uh, management, I never discriminated at all. I mean, I've actually, I like, I embrace the fact of not looking for a particular profile of somebody. I'll just know who's the right go-getter, who's the person that's going to have that that work ethic that's going to go above and beyond. And, it, I mean, it's been fascinating of who has filled that, that position and has been here for a significant amount of time. And I just love the fact that we've had it because, you know, we have had a, a full spectrum of different people, cultures, and uh, gender, I mean, across the board, I mean, you know, I would always welcome, you know, and then also just the fact that women, you know, to also feel that kind of where they can't feel like they can be brought in based on their merit on whatever jobs they can come in for. And I can tell you, we've had a lot of women that work for us and have been very effective. And, you know, there's just, I just don't get the whole workout from that. Now, the other thing I want to make as well is when it comes to the executive end of the conversation, which, which is really, really where you also work on as well. Benzinga wrote about the fact that there's an often overlooked dynamic in the process of rapid fire decision making, the question of who is being empowered to make decisions, finding leaders and staff who understand enough about a nascent industry to find success in it is difficult enough, let alone an industry with as many unknowns and pitfalls as cannabis that threaten the kneecap of business before it even gets off the ground. This is one of the th one of the things I'll talk about when it comes to corporatization and those with a corporate mindset that might understand running a large company with a lot of employees and having a particular corporate strategy in place, seeing if that would actually fit into the cannabis industry. I can understand that you put a you made a comment to Benzinga saying that, quote, 
I saw a tipping point where the cannabis industry had the potential to be the biggest job creator in the United States over an entire decade. An opportunity for an entire workforce to be recalibrated for a modern growth industry that couldn't be outsourced. So talk to me about the fact of where there's wage earners and then there's the leaders of those wage earners, the employers themselves, and having to go ahead and work again to have, I think, a good balance of the heritage of the industry, a good balance of being able to offer a good internal infrastructure of organizing, delegating, and managing a business and making it so that there's a good harmony together with the employees, with their, the leadership. Right. Well, that's, I mean, there's a, there's a lot there to unpack. Oh, there um, is. But what I, in that Benzinga article, what I was referencing specifically was there's very, especially in the wake of COVID, there's very few bright spots in the employment picture for retail workers. Cannabis is one of them. There's very few bright spots in the world of light industrial employment, which cultivation and processing of cannabis is. And there are jobs that can't be moved to another state with lower taxes or offshore. They have to be, every state has a vertically integrated supply chain. And in fact, most of the states when they first operationalize and become legal, create dozens of thousands of, of uh, cannabis cultivation jobs as, as the first thing right in parts of the country that need them the most right um so that's what i was referencing in the benzinga article i think from uh from a operating a cannabis company from a strategic standpoint from a leadership standpoint um it's still being figured out like the parachute is still being threaded if you will and right. and they've jumped out of the plane right um that being said um two things the comp the companies that are doing the best have the right combination of people that understand the plant itself and understand how to make the plant happy grow it well and make products from it that are safe and effective for consumers but also operators that understand how to put a business in a box and make numbers and have some type of predictability to it that on the one hand the operators are humble and that they know they can't fucking do it without those plant people. <laughs> right. And the plant people understand that this is now a legitimate business above ground and it is feel corporate, but it needs that. And they can't take what they've done in their craft and do it in the mainstream without the other side. And so right. you have this kind of combined humility um, and appreciation of everyone's role in, in, in bringing this journey forward. And at the end of the day, a vertically integrated cannabis company is probably the most complex organization in the country in terms of the type of roles and job disciplines and titles that employees of those companies will have because it's agriculture, it's manufacturing, it's uh, consumer packaged goods, it's retail, it's distribution, all in the most you know, compliance heavy industry that's out there, right? So um, I, I, with my background before this journey into cannabis, um, I was supporting high growth technology companies. You know, I was a fan of the plant always, but I, that world became soulless to me. And they were reactive to having a problem in that they had 
you know, 80% of the people that were applying to jobs at technology companies were, were you know, white professionals, right? Um, there was a huge issue in the technology industry. Now, I personally am, um, give hope from two things. Number one, A, the data I shared earlier about the idea that it looks like from what we're seeing so far, half of all applicants are, are BIPOC um, for jobs in this industry, number one. And number two, when I've spoken to founders and executives for the past several years, even before the events of 2020, top of mind, almost every single time was, I would love a diverse candidate pool. I need to hire somebody that can do this job and has a skill set, but I really want uh, a diverse representation of experiences and people around me because that's part of our cultural values. So I think I'm refreshed by the idea that I think this is a plant of, you know, it's a female plant, but it's a plant of for everybody, for all aspects of, of society. And cannabis is coming of age, if you will, at a time when society is woke. And, and I don't think it's a reactiveness to that wokeness. I think it's actually just the perfect time for cannabis to become mainstream because thoughtful is the top of mind for most of the founders and executives yeah. that I've talked to in the space. There we go. We'll leave it there. We're going to come back from a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk. You mentioned uh, New York legalization briefly. I want to go ahead and touch upon that. And some other part, uh, you talked about characteristics that someone needs to have if they're looking to work in the cannabis industry. We're going to talk all about that here with the CEO of Flower Hire, David Belsky, here on Blunt Business after a short break. Great. Stay tuned. <laughs> How's it going so far? Oh, doing fine, doing fine. I'm uh, all set to go and come in the segment too. So we're how many, how many listeners do you typically get on, on these? Uh, uh, between what, for what, 10 and 15,000 downloads a month? It's great, man. It's a pretty good nice audience. Job. Yeah. Yeah. One of the top on our end, and I think we're, we're consistently one of the top 200 business shows on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Where are you based personally? I'm in South Florida. Not too bad. No, not at all, not at all. I haven't looked at where we are in the in terms of where we are on the on the list now. But last thing I last I checked, I think it was like one hundred one forty eight among like management shows on Apple Podcasts, which that's fascinating. That gets to that, but show's been on for a while now. <laughs> it's been twenty seventeen. We started, and yeah. I can't even count how many interviews I've done. But I'll I'll bring that up in just a second. I'm gonna bring, let's go ahead and bring ourselves ourselves back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. I'm here with David Belsky, CEO of Flower Hire and Blunt Business, and we were talking during the break. Uh, David, I got to tell you, I've thought about the fact of there's never been a shortage of interviews and never a shortage of all the things to understand about this 
industry that we're in because it's there's just so many different components like you said vertically integrated cannabis company very complex just the industry itself and all the different positions in order to go ahead and make a company thrive and to be successful and to have the right people in place so that the operation works effectively not to mention for those that are looking to invest in the industry whether it's for through shareholding or whether it's through venture capital and seed funding to make sure that the money being invested in all these companies and the money is being brought in that companies will be successful there's so much that needs to be the cogs that need to be left to get, they make that machine go it's so important and there's just so many things and that's obviously where you would flower hire actually works on that now you talk about new york state and the legalization efforts there which we know we, that's already been legalized now the uh passage of the legalization bill there happened back in april and you recently predicted the commercial observer that it would take years for New York's cannabis supply chain to ramp up enough to meet demand. I agree with you on that. The current medical marijuana program allowed for very limited marijuana cultivation at state-approved facilities, and only patients with chronic, life-threatening conditions like cancer, ALS, Parkinson's, and AIDS qualify for medical marijuana cards. It's pretty, pretty narrow. You also explained that, quote, you could not operate a profitable medical dispensary in New York under the current regulations. These big dispensary operators have gotten their licenses and have just been holding on to them. They haven't invested any money because it wasn't profitable. So recruiting and employment opportunities in New York, how soon could you actually see that? Because if it's going to take a while for supply to get established in place, then those jobs, it's going to take a while for those jobs to come into place in New York State. Yeah, I, I think that you should start seeing the job creation engine picking up in the second half of this year, mm -hmm. though. Honestly, it'll start on the on the the make side, you know, getting little happy plants in the ground because that and taking care of those plants, because that's ultimately the building block of the industry. But I think the uh, the bigger picture of New York is it is the headquarters of the world in terms of the financial markets and there's a ton of creative energy in New York and there's a great cannabis culture that's been underground so what I believe you're going to see probably by next year in New York and again I don't know is you're going to see so much capital going in to build brands to build CPG brands I saw that in California in 2018 now a lot of those brands are no longer around and there are some that are surviving. You still need to have an authentic story to your brand in order to be successful in this space for sure. But I think you're going to see um, a ton of entrepreneurial energy around um, brands because at the end of the day, still there will be global recreational THC brands. And, you know, people have always said those would come out of California, but I bet a lot of people in New York would argue that they're going to come out of New York as well. And, you know, the people that know how to develop those are going to be there, right? Um, I also think as New York opens up and people get back to work, so to speak, just from a talent perspective, you're going to see a lot of the largest cannabis companies set up corporate offices in Manhattan. And I'm seeing that already, just to be able to attract world-class talent to work there, right? Um, as a hub of commerce, right? Um, and then, you know, by, I would say next year, you're going to start seeing retail jobs um, show up, but it's going to take probably two to three years before um, you start seeing more and more shops open um, for people to go to. And uh, a lot of the details will be in the regulations, right? They'll be in 
you know, New York passed it, but they still have to write it. And then they have to put that forward. I believe it's already written, but, um, you know, depending on how the regs are written, it depends on what the job creation landscape is going to look like and how quickly. One other thing I also want to bring up when it, when it comes to New York, you know, we've, I've, I've prefaced about uh, some study that was done from Consensus Strategies and Patrick Fox being on the program with us a few months, about a month or so back, talking about where the support for New York uh, residents, upstate or in uh, the city itself, having support, but also having the issue of where they would not want to have the dispensaries or any facilities cannabis related in their backyard or in their neighborhoods. One of the things I was thinking about is we talked as well about delivery and we've talked to some other companies that have done delivery services and where much like how it works in California, New York would be a great market for that. What I don't, I'm not sure about this, but you can try to explain this to me. If there's much of a gig economy out there where if there was a ride share component or something where, um, well, what was it a, Dara, I'm not even going to say the last name, the CEO of Uber, talked about maybe that we're down the line once cannabis is legalized, would Uber go ahead and decide to go ahead and be trying to deliver cannabis like they do alcohol? The idea of uh, the gig economy coming into play, is there something there where if New York is not able to go ahead and really put you know, physical, a lot of physical store fronts out there and they would need to go and do more of a delivery model to service the community to take care of the supply and demand issue? Um, is there anything you would concern yourself at all about when it comes to, you know, if they need to be the, the, the debate that's been done in California, I think it was proposition 22 gig economy versus employers and being paid employees with benefits. Is there anything you could tell me about that argument right there and what will be brought in to kind yeah. of satisfy that? So, uh, a couple things, I think the gig economy as a whole, whether it's cannabis whether it's retail has made it more challenging to to hire and have long-term a frontline uh, employee pool, no doubt. I think that how cannabis tends to play out um, at least in other states is that you can't necessarily have contractors touching your plants or delivering your products, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and again, New York could be different, but you know, you need full-time employees as drivers in cannabis in California, even though that proposition passed in California that said gig workers could be gig workers. But specifically, the regulations have set it up in a way that only employees, W-2, that are drivers can deliver cannabis. Um, number number three, I think New York is a, is a labor state. It is a union state. There has not been a industry emerging in New York that could add to the rank and file of union membership for quite some time. I do believe that organized labor will get behind this industry um, and be part of that story. So is there gonna be, and also like on the retail side, cannabis doesn't necessarily have the same seasonality as what other retail workers do. Like you get a lot of gigs because you need to double your retail staff. You're working at Kohl's in the you know Christmas time, right? But cannabis demand stays consistent fairly all year round, right? And so it's less seasonal 
as other industries that may rely on gig workers. So um, the world of work is fundamentally changing, but I, I do think cannabis is different because it's still going to be heavily regulated and the state is going to require knowledge of who is actually holding and growing um, products. Now, oh, by the way, Uber CEO is uh, Dara Kosro Shahi. And the other thing I want to make mention of as well about the gig economy that got my attention was the fact that the Labor Secretary, Marty Walsh for the U.S. Department of Labor, Secretary of Labor, actually talked about how that they support classifying gig workers as employees. So they want to make it a federal argument and try to oh, yeah. instill that. With that said, from your standpoint, I mean, do you think there's room for both? Do you feel like that? I mean, there's I, I see the advantage of gig economy and the choice for those employees as gig employees for myself. You know, I do a gig, uh, some gig work myself. And I like the fact of having the flexibility of the schedule where the other thing, too, is that if I have full time work, you know, I wouldn't take a gig economy is different for a full time person. But for someone that's doing it part time, which I think many people that are doing rideshare or things like that would be part time. Um, I think it takes away. I don't think you can, there has to be a balance where you can have full-time and part-time help and to take advantage of those that can't commit the full-time schedule and they need some flexibility, there should be a best of both. What do you think? Uh, I think it, I think in a, in a perfect world, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the gig economy was a response to you know, the idea that as a professional in today's world you need to have multiple careers you need to have yeah. multiple different side hustles in order to make ends meet right so and employer loyalty is out the window to its employees so correct you know the gig economy is part of that but i also think cannabis is just different because it actually provides upward mobility and if you are a good hard worker that believes in what you do you're good you have the opportunity in cannabis to like go in get a job and actually move up the corporate ladder because no one has cannabis experience right now right and the way that the world of work has evolved is everything's dumbed down to a bunch of keywords in a online job search to where like you really have the opportunity to be a first mover in your area with domain knowledge like so um yes should you know cannabis also evolved to support the way in which people prefer to work? Absolutely. But I also think cannabis should be the exception in that you can actually move up very quickly. Like we've, we've, I've, there's so many stories of people that start off as bud tenders that are now executives in cannabis companies, right? Um, maybe they even took a step back and had a successful career away, but want to follow their heart and their passion to get into cannabis. So, um, I just think it's different in a lot of ways. Yep. Now, we already talked a little bit about DEI and social equity before, but I did make mention of before the pro, before the, uh, the, the the break, we were going to talk about the three characteristics. I just want to reiterate them. I don't necessarily want to go and elaborate more on it, but I thought it was important to bring on this program as well. That After I spoke with you on the grassroots marketing program back in June of last year, you laid out three characteristics that for someone to be successful in the industry, they must possess. So we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I wanted to bring it up here and let you go and have a, a bit of a say about that. First, a love for the plant. Second is the person needs to have operated without a net before. And finally, you said, what makes a good hire for the industry is someone who can appreciate 
and feels fortunate to be involved in such a pivotal time in history and to be at the foundation of what will be a 50-plus billion-dollar global industry that can make the world a better place. So with that, um, you have all that in the, in the in the description. You know, do you feel like, a, how many people do you feel like when you that come across Flower Hire looking for work, how many of those do possess those characteristics? All three. How often? Uh, I think a, a fair amount do. Um, you know, I, and I, just to elaborate a bit more on that, this was uh, more of that sort of gut check of any person for any type of job in the industry to really know if, if cannabis is right for you from a career perspective. And um, I think that the first one, you know, relationship with the plant is because, you know, A, this organization, this industry is mission driven and you have to uh, align there. It's not just about a job. It's about like actually doing something that may make the world a better place, may make people happier and healthier. Um, the, the one about operating without a net is because this industry is hard. It's like cannabis is not a big sort of Lindsay Lohan after party. It's like real work that you have to, you know, and it's like frenetic pace and, and some people love being busy. They love being pushed. They get immersed in the work that they do. And they felt that kind of crazy, constant pivoting and energy of like the startup vibe. And that's what cannabis is, right? Versus like, oh, I, I, my job is X. This is my job description. That's not my job description. So I don't do that. Well, in cannabis, you kind of have to do whatever it takes still, mm -hmm. right? And for some people, that's really stressful and uncomfortable. And if that's the case, this isn't the right industry for them. For some people, they love that. They thrive in that pace and they get bored if they don't have that. Right. And then that sort of foundational element of like, oh, we're at the forefront of, of a hundred billion dollar global industry. It's important because cannabis requires humility and requires you to take a step back and look at career differently yeah. because titles aren't uniform. Career path is unknown. There's tons of growth potential. So just landing in this industry have the chance to prove yourself and bring your skill set. Titles and opportunities will normalize in the next decade. But as a first mover, because of all that growth, you'll have ample opportunity to more than make up for, you know, being at a different point in the career ladder entering this industry. So that was kind of the, the thoughts about that. And I actually, um, it's definitely not the majority of people that possess those attributes that want to get into the industry. It's definitely the minority um, from what, um, I've spoke with, but, but it is also something that really does resonate with people when I explain that. And for, for me, like, if you don't want, if you're not going to succeed, if, if you're not going to be uncomfortable with this industry, um, it's better to kind of figure that out. And a lot of what I really enjoy my team at Flower I really enjoys is really kind of being that guide because people don't know. People don't know what it's like to work in cannabis. No. And you know we have to educate in a way that's fact-oriented that leaves it on the person to say, do you want to think about it and talk to your family or does this resonate, right? Um, when you look at the amount of career fields you can take from, for those that have degrees, if you're going coming in from an agricultural background, biomedical, engineering, marketing, advertising, scientific advocacy, social justice, government, pick it. 
there are so many positions and there are so many different avenues to flourish in the cannabis industry. And that's where we're coming from. There's so many different avenues to come in where, you know, it doesn't, this is no longer a fringe industry, which it might've been five, 10 years ago when, you know, when cannabis radio came into the space, you know, it was a bit of a niche, but now it's not so much of a niche. This is a very, we're on the precipice of major investors coming in. All they're waiting for is whoever's going to sign the bill that's going to legalize across the board, knowing that we have lobbying efforts now where big, where alcohol and tobacco are now tag-teaming, allying, uh, having an alliance with cannabis altogether in anticipation. There's so much to be said about the job market here that, and again, a $100 billion industry, as you said. There's so much upside here. When other markets are saturated for employment, Here's a place to go. Here's a place to be. Well, David, I don't know if I can make a better pitch than that for folks to go and look at Flower but you tell me. Hmm. <laughs> uh, that was beautiful. You, uh, you, you should, uh, should join the team if you, if you didn't have a, a, a thriving uh, media career. Well, I would turn I it around and say, we should, really <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, this is what I do. I mean, it's. We do, we're in the marketing place here in the, uh, the Cannabis Radio. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go to a quick commercial break. I'm here with the CEO of Flower Hire, David Belsky, here on Blend Business. Uh, we'll go ahead and come back with some final questions after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm here with Final Questions with David Belsky, CEO of Flower Hire here on Blunt Business. And uh, David, really appreciate you taking time out to talk to me about this. I think we've opened a lot of eyes for those in the industry. Website is FlowerHire.com. Flower like the flower, F-L-O-W-E-R, Hire.com. One of the things you make mention of, which is also what's happened since we've talk last time because we talked during the pandemic and you told Forbes how flower hire transformed from a California based company serving the national cannabis market to a national company serving the national cannabis industry. The plan coming out of the pandemic is to be the leading talent business in cannabis, continuing your mission of building a conscious cannabis community one hire at a time. So 11 months later, how's that worked out? Uh, we're, we're, we're not there but we're moving in that direction still. Um, I mean, just as an example, we've done more placements in the state of Michigan in the last six months than California, mm-hmm. right? Um, we, um, I think, you know, we've seen our demand escalate in the great state of Pennsylvania um, for where we had one client, you know, eight months ago to now we have six, right? So I do think that we've been able to, um, effectively serve uh, different state markets um, well. And um, so 
that is still the the strategy and um you know but i do think that we're as a brand uh recognizable um you know on a, on a more on a more of a national scale and there's very few cannabis brands that are um and you know i still i'm even every day feel very fortunate that we're kind of like a multi-state operator without having to pay 280e um and um you know we get some really unique perspective on this industry because it's still not an industry it's a collection of state industries and even in those states there's not a lot of information on what's going on with other people and, and so we really get to have a unique lens on the marketplace that enables us to educate but also really bring value uh, to the community and the industry as a whole by by understanding you know what the challenges are faced by frontline executives doing their job on a daily basis uh, in cannabis and, and trying to bring information and solutions to those those issues and people that can help. In the lengthy report I prefaced at the start earlier part of the show, you make mention of Michigan. It's one of the it's in the top six of the cannabis states with the amount of employers. And honestly, also when it comes to the amount of sales they're making there in the state, increase of almost 10,000 employees in 2020, uh, over 18,000 employees there now, and revenue right now near a billion dollars, which, by the way, Washington State, Arizona, Florida, Colorado, and California are ahead of them. But uh, good territory. And also, you know, a new market that needs to get definitely serviced. Uh, now, finally, um, with the flower Michigan, Michigan exp- oh, go a, ahead. David. Michigan should be a two billion dollar. Sorry about that. It should be a two billion dollar state this year. They just did like one hundred and fifty million dollars in sales last month, right? Um, so it, it's trending that it could be a two billion dollar state industry that didn't even exist as of before December first of twenty nineteen. That's crazy. Wow. Let's go ahead and go back to the start of the show. The Flower X, Flower Hire X platform. So for those that are looking to go ahead and jump on board and use that platform to go into apply and get themselves noticed by employers, where should they go? Where should they go on the website and how, what will they need to go and have in order to go and fill out that platform so they can also be looked at for consideration for employment? Well, present day, we have uh, dozens of hourly jobs posted uh uh, careersincannabis.com, careersincannabis.com. Um, there should be hundreds, if not thousands, by the end of 2021. Um, and career, careersincannabis.com is um, the back end of the Flower X ecosystem, which is the site for employer branding, the site for job listings and the site for applications of candidates that are applying to jobs hosted on Flower Hire X is all through careersincannabis.com. Um, and if you're interested in, um, you know, more executive or leadership type positions, uh, many of those can be found posted on flowerhire.com. Wonderful. So I see there's a whole lot of positions that are available and just, I can look on the website right now careersofcannabis.com, and it's just buku loaded with jobs. For those who are saying there are no jobs, I thought, yes, there are. You know, you can go ahead and get yourself, motivate yourself to be in an industry like it is that's so progressive and so forward-thinking like the cannabis industry. We already talked about before the break, 
the spectrum of people edu- uh, people that are being educated either through trade school certification through college that there are jobs in the industry galore it's just where you do want to work and you know how much time do you want to spend and then you know do you fit in the right environment with, to be in that position and is it some place where you can also grow and learn from there and elevate from within those are the kind of ideas so with that said, David, really appreciate you taking time to join us here on the program. Again, CEO of Flower Hire, David Belsky here on Blunt Business. Thanks for making time to join us. Thanks for taking a few minutes to speak with us. Thank you. Great to be here. Anytime. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you, listeners, as always, for listening. You know where to find the show. Spread the word and let people know about it. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Help us get more people to go ahead and look at this show as one of the top 200 business management shows on Apple Podcasts. Help us to make our ranking even higher than ever. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.